episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. And you can find us at Justin the Food Entrepreneur's on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. I know it's been a while since we did a podcast. Um, we're constantly evolving. Um, we have a new co-host, Skylar Rabson. Skylar, say hello to everyone. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Excited <laughs> to be here. So Skyler is currently a senior at Georgia College um, in Milledgeville, Georgia. So he's making his way into food service partners and Primal Rock and working on a hustle and grinders project for us. So Skyler will also be stepping in for Deborah um, as we go into sort of the Just the Food Entrepreneurs 2.0 um, and and becoming the co-host and helping me run the podcast and stuff like that. Also, um, everyone who's listening in, we've also launched the Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast, um, as well as the Scavendology podcast. Both are pretty awesome. So if you want to listen in, please do that. All right. Um, everyone listening in, thank you for listening in. And today I have with us Larry and Emily Johnson of Little Bites Food Truck from Atlanta, Georgia. How are you guys doing? Fabulous. So good. How are you guys? So good. We're doing very well. So let's just jump right into it. Um, tell me a little bit about your history. Um, do you come from entrepreneurial backgrounds and, and sort of how did you get into owning a food truck? You want to take it? Um, Go ahead. Okay. All right. So I, uh, Emily here. Um, thanks for listening. You know, give us a like on Facebook and, you know, follow us for, you know, our schedule. Anyway, um, so my parents are, they've, they've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, my mom was a nurse. My dad was an electrician, but they did a side hustle that they went to fairs and festivals. It was called Hopkins Nuthouse, and then it just evolved and grew and things like that. I went on to college and did stuff, and, you know, I would help them when I could, but went into corporate world and got married, got divorced, and then met Larry. And so um, I was like climbing that corporate ladder. And then it was just, I couldn't go any further. I didn't want to do it anymore. And there was one night where Larry. We were um, laying in bed and Emily was doing one of those like ask your partner Facebook quizzes. Um, And the question was something like, what do you see your partner doing in her life to make her happy? And um, I was like cooking, something with cooking. You love cooking. We were we were the house that like, you know, all the neighbors would come and eat at, um, you know, and it just it just like a lightning bolt hit us. And then the next day we talked about it again and we were like, let's let's quit our stupid corporate jobs and, and open a food truck and let's jump off a cliff together. And at the time, like I had zero culinary or kitchen or any sort of experience in that like no. we joke that i didn't know which end of a knife to hold when we started this business and um don't uh, worry we were, i didn't like, either no culinary yeah. background when i got into this yeah yeah so but it was a leap of faith it really was we we had a aha moment and looked at each other and said not only we can do this we're going to do this and and we did and we said if we're going to do it we're going to go all in and we did yeah, and that's kind of what it takes sometimes. And I came from a market research background. So, you know, during the time leading up to opening, you know, we had about 20 things we were thinking about doing because when we opened the truck, we were um, branded as Little Bites American Tapas. We wanted to, we were going to do like a tapas truck. And our theory was, oh, people buy like, you know, four or five little items 
you know, cheap item, cheaply priced items. I'll buy four or five of them and that'll, that'll make a, a decent ticket. And then that's how we opened. But that didn't, we realized that wasn't going to work because people would just like buy one or two items and we had like, you know, $7 ticket tickets and stuff. And, and it's a pain in the ass to make stuff that's good, but in miniature size. And so that, that was also like the prep time was, was a bitch. Yeah. So, um, but you know, in lead up time, once we had like 25 items we were thinking about doing, we, we spent like all of our free time at, um, like truck and tap, you know, are you guys familiar with truck and tap in Woodstock and Alpharetta? I've heard of actually from that area. So I've been around, places like that and yeah that that's a cool place yeah absolutely so we we spent all our free time there basically just doing market research and just like while people were waiting for their food just asking them you know hey if this list of 20 items was on the menu today what would you guys want to buy um and we you know we talked to probably close to 500 people at various times with that and then i you know did tabulating and stuff and so we had a pretty good idea of what menu we were going to be able to sell right away um you know, and then obviously over the th- like three and a half years that we've been open, it's it's changed quite a bit. Um, anyway, but at least you know we knew we felt good about opening the window the first time that people were going to like it. So, what's on the menu now? I mean, sort of describe what's on the menu now, and I mean, any stories of those items would I think would be great because I think people really can start to visualize how you came up with those items. Sure. Yeah. Um, like when we first started, we were doing um, like brisket and buffalo chicken quesadillas and then some empanadas. It was buffalo chicken. Oh, yeah, taquitos at first, taquitos. which was a giant pain in the ass. But like um, fried goat cheese with roasted red pepper jelly. That's what we started with. Again, those are a pain in the ass. They're amazing, but <laughs> they would just blow apart in the fryer. You know, so then we started to evolve not only with what the customers were wanting and ordering, but what was more feasible to be able to prep realistically yeah and get out the window fast because that that became the problem with with the quesadillas we have a small flat top and we you know can only make like two or three quesadillas at a time um you know so ticket time started to back down a little bit and then in that time um i took emily back to philadelphia where i'm i'm born and raised and um she started reverse engineering cheesesteaks yeah uh, in her mouth and um that sounds so weird i know right <laughs> and um so she started just making cheesesteaks around the house and they were amazing it was like it was like the taste of philly for me and i was like look why don't we just get rid of the quesadillas and start doing cheesesteaks because we can do a whole bunch of them at a time and that'll that'll help with that so so now we do um philly cheesesteaks with you know real ribeye bread from philadelphia cheese whiz the traditional way amorosa rolls rolls from philadelphia um we do chicken cheesesteaks and then we also we do a lot of empanadas now um in the beginning we were only doing like buffalo chicken empanadas yeah here's your story if you want a story about how some of our menu items came to be yeah so so empanadas came about we we started doing the buffalo chicken they were really popular we used to do like pork sandwiches and um they were they never sold a lot our dog was always happy because there was always leftover pork it seemed um but that really wasn't the best thing for us so we we started to stuff them in empanadas as well so now we had pork empanadas which became really popular and then um we just somebody somebody came to the window one day and said what are those buffalo chicken empanadas and from that moment on the the empanadas were just known on the truck as as pandas and um we've ran with it and we've, we've run with it with with ear panda ears and all a lot of our ads um are you know promotional stuff as pandas and 
my Emily is sort of a, a bit of a raccoon by nature. So, so she wears raccoon ears and we, we, we do a lot of kid stuff too, um, where we do like food truck parks where there's nothing for kids. And we sort of saw that as a, a need and we provided like kids menus. And so kids can eat at these food truck parks. So parents can just stand in one line instead of having to, you know, feed their kids and then go to get their shawarma um, or sushi or whatever. And so, you know, we, we start to, we do a lot of breweries as well, which if you guys have been to breweries lately, know that they're basically daycare centers they um, with drinking. Daycare centers. So, you know, we, we, we tend to cater to, to children and drunks is sort of what we say, but um, that's, that's the, the joy of our, our brewery our type, type of menu. And we've fully embraced that. We, we printed up like coloring books with animals <laughs> in them for the kids at the breweries and, now we do like four or five different empanadas. Um, we do a pepperoni pizza empanada and um, a chicken and cordon bleu and a chicken parm. And yeah, uh, went back to the brisket. Oh yeah, we do. A, we oh yeah, the, right, the brisket quesadillas that we don't do anymore. We now do as an empanada. So we're it turns we're, out you can put just about anything in an empanada shell as long as it's good. Yeah. And, you know, people love them. So we do pandemonium nights where we'll do like. Six different kinds, and yeah, people can get flights of empanadas, so they try one of each flavor. And pandemonia, I love it. I'm laughing hysterically. <laughs> I, I had to unmute the mic because I'm just like that is. It's very clever. I I love the the just letting sort of the um the clientele sort of trip you into what you were going to call your business or what's become really your marketing claw, if you will, the thing that anchors you, or at least right it's now. Brilliant. Yeah, well, that's that's one, one thing I will say is that, um, and especially towards people that are looking to get into this industry, this, so, these are some of my words of sage advice in my you know old age in this business, three and a half years. Um, don't be afraid to try something new. However, don't get locked into something because that you had an idea and you think it's good and you had 12 people in your family say that that was amazing. You got to You got to do what sells and you got to test and be willing to like, you know, say, well, as amazing as this is, it's not one cost effective two time effective when it comes to prepping or three time effective when it comes to getting it out the window. So those are three of the, things that you really need to take into consideration when you're making your menu. Cause there's a lot of things I would love to have on the menu, but it just, they don't make sense. Not when people are wanting just, you know, food like that. So, I mean, I think that's a great uh, transition part right here, which is um, what I'll call, which is what was the transition for you? Cause I find a lot of people that go into being food entrepreneurs or into food trucks um, find there's a big transition from being kitchen smart, which is being able to use your kitchen in your home to actually food service smart, you know, for example, like a street smarts in the business. And so, I mean, what was that like for you guys? I mean, because I think a lot of people imagine it's just, if I can cook in my kitchen, I can cook in a business and I, and I can create a product. And so what was that like for you guys? Well, for, uh, for a few weeks, it felt like we were drowning because we j- like maybe we overextended ourselves. I'm not even going to lie. It was like, holy shit, what have we gotten ourselves into? We just built a $40,000 trailer. And, you know, like, so it, that was, that was crazy, but we just, we, like, we adapted and I had no preconceived notions about a kitchen, having zero idea what to do. 
So I had to like, you know, literally like learn which end of the knife to hold from scratch basically. And just to be helpful. Um, but you know, my, my role originally was to be more of the front of house, um, you know, taking the money and stuff like that. And, but it's, that's also evolved because of my back. Basically I leaning out the window was killing my back. So now I, I run the back end of the house and Emily is the adorable raccoon face at the window. I do have really good customer service. You do. You really do. And Uh I, it's it's fun to jest with the customers too. Sometimes I tell them what they're going to order when they don't know. But now Emily has trouble like cooking for just the family because it's like, how do I just make food for three people? What do I? What I make do I do? I make seventy five fortunes for three yeah. people. Uh, oh, I've run into that. I it took me a long time before adjusting with for that. Even for the holidays, it was just like over consumed because I just in my mind it never looked like enough being in food service when you're trying to produce food for people. So I totally understand that. So you guys obviously work together, and so that's a, a new dynamic for any relationship. So three and a half years ago, you decided you're going to dive in together, which I understand Deborah and I work together um, now for eight years. So I work with my significant other, and she came in to the business, um, so a little bit different. But we have started multiple businesses now together and work together. So for me, I'm always curious, like what's that dynamic look like for you guys? And you've talked about how you kind of roll reversed in the middle of it, which I find Deborah and I have done time to time as as things have happened. One's taken on another, or one's discovered a talent that was unknown. Yeah. So tell us about that. Okay. So you're like the statistics of people that work together in the restaurant industry that are married are like 75% of them get divorced. It's something like that. Um, I made up that statistic. I don't know. Anyway, but that being said, when we went into this, we decided that we know that it's going to be a small workspace. We know we're going to fight. We know we're going to have little bickering moments. But what we're going to do after that is leave it and leave it on the truck and move on. You know, sometimes, I mean, it's a small workspace. So sometimes we're going to bicker. Sometimes we're going to fight. We're going to have disagreements. but we're still business people and the best thing you can do is just leave it there and just move on. Yeah. That, that pretty much sums it up. We, we, that's what we said was, you know, no matter what happens on the truck, it stays on the truck. Cause you know, sure. I might, yeah, I might snap. You might snap, but it's nothing personal. It's yeah. not, he doesn't know what's going on at the front of house. I don't know what's going on at the back of house. Maybe a, maybe a fryer went out. Maybe there's a customer that's being a jerk. You know, you don't always know what the left hand doesn't always know what the right hand's doing. So you got to have to, be willing to say, okay, all right, we're going to leave that there and just move on. Well, and I think part of it's trust. And I think something just in relationships in general, which I, which I agree with what you guys said, which is, I don't know what, what's going on in that part, but I have to trust them to know what they're going through and then vice versa. They don't know what I'm going through because I'm in the back of the house. And I think that can be applied to a lot of different things. We always don't know what the other partners doing in life or in business. And so we sometimes, you know, snap or whatever, but I think grain of salt, cause we're all just, especially in food. I think food is just such a rapid paced business. Um, when you're moving and when things are, when things are good that, um, yeah. that they're right more stressful. Getting, Go ahead. Yeah. You want three minute ticket times or less, you know, and there's, it's again, like the, the internal workings, of our, you know, of Little Bites is the the footprint in which you can move in is about three and a half feet wide by about what? 15, 14 feet. 14 feet. 
So like in some, we, there's times when we, we've had four people on the truck and that's a lot. So you got to be able to, you know, take some things and just move on because you're, you're going to bump into each other. You're going to run into each other and, and things are going to happen. Yep. And so far it's worked for us. So. I've only stabbed him once. That's true. <laughs> it was accidental though. I dropped a knife and it bounced into his calf. Oh, nice. What she says. But I do have, yeah, snitches do get stitches that, however, um, it, that was accidental, but it did like I dropped the knife and it just melted right into his calf. Yep. And I just kept making goat cheese balls. <laughs> as if it didn't happen. <laughs> One of the first things. So, I mean, had, I mean, you've obviously grown and, and, and you have this business. I mean, what's, you, you, we've just went through COVID, which I don't even, you know, let's talk about that a little bit. Did it affect you guys? I mean, how did you pivot as entrepreneurs? Um, how have you pivoted as entrepreneurs even before COVID? Um, sure. I mean, how do you, you go through, cause you guys are obviously still doing well and staying true to your plan, but obviously there's been tweaks there and, and hardship. Yeah, it was, um, we, you know, we first started, we, you know, had this vision of doing a lot of lunches and stuff. And then we sort of started doing breweries and realized that was going to be our, our bread and butter. Um, you know, some people that we knew at like the commissary kitchen were like, Oh, breweries are no good. And blah, blah, blah. it's like, well, maybe it was your, you know, what you serve doesn't work at a brewery, but we're, what we serve will and did. So, you know, we got into a lot of breweries and then, you know, word of mouth got us a lot of, you know, uh, parties and things like that and graduation parties and weddings, weddings and, then the Monday before St. Patrick's Day, two years ago now, I guess, you know, COVID, mm-hmm. COVID year, um, we basically lost 31 gigs on that Monday um, between phone calls and breweries that were closing, you know, for the for the pandemic and events that we had scheduled. So, yeah, 31 gigs canceled um, that Monday. That was that was Black Monday for us. And um, we day drank quite a bit that day on the sofa. And then um, the next day we left our house and just started writing down neighborhoods near the house as, you know, like as close as possible and just or near the commissary, or near the commissary yeah. and just started writing down, writing down names and um, came home and just started reaching out to the HOAs on Facebook or finding their HOAs and just, you know, telling them like, you know, hey, all your people are trapped. You know, they can't go anywhere to eat. Nobody can go anywhere. What if we provide online ordering, you know, you pick your time that you want to pick it up and contactless. contactless. We just, you know, we cook it, bag it, put it on the counter, you swing by, grab it and go. And, um, that, that kept us in business. Basically that, that April was better than our previous April, which we never thought was going to happen. Um, <laughs> we, you know, we were in full panic mode. Um, but yeah, basically we were, we were unbooked for six days when that happened. And then we were back to pretty much booked four to five days a week again, every, every week after that, until breweries started to reopen a little bit again. And, um, you know, and that was challenging too, when they started opening, because, you know, the breweries are open. We still didn't want to do like walk up orders. We didn't, we weren't, you know, there's no, there was no vaccine in sight. No one knew how it was going. Yeah, admitted. you know, we're and we're out in the suburbs where, you know, a lot of times they don't believe there's a pandemic still. And, you know, we were like, look, it's all still online ordering, guys. That, that's the deal. We're not taking walk ups. And what's funny is this, the winter before we um, 
again, working a lot of breweries and it's cold, we realized people don't want to necessarily come out. So we printed menus with like just a Google voice phone number on it and said, hey, just text your order out to us. We'll buzz you when it's ready. You just come out and pay. And then, you know, you don't have to stand out there twice or wait for it or anything. And people loved that. People loved being able to do that. Um, so when they could do it, they loved it. When they had to do it, they were less thrilled. It seems. So there was there was pushback when when it was required. But, um, you know, we, we Emily built like a little stand that we put a tablet on that went right to our online ordering page. So if people didn't want to do it like, you know, oh, I don't have my phone. I can't do it. Blah. Like, well, do it right there. You know, we're we're sticking with this. And, um, you know, all that got us through it. And then, you know, knock wood, the vaccine came and things have picked up again. And it's it's it, things are good. Knock wood. I I found that a lot of entrepreneurs, similar whether it's food trucks or restaurants, that went to a similar strategy, um, were very successful um, through COVID and found again upswings and found new loyal customers and um, things like that. Obviously, an unfortunate event, but it um, amongst all of it, the the need to pivot, the sort of forcing the people to strategize and how to get through it, really put the premium. Um, companies and entrepreneurs sort of at the top right now, which is interesting when that always happens because I feel so bad because there's a lot of restaurants and stuff that struggle through this period. But anyone that's out there, you you know, you can't think that life is going to always be the same or that your method going into something is going to be the same getting out of it. I mean, our business is so twisted and turned now at Food Service Partners and Primal Rock compared to what we were three years ago. Um, and we're a pretty big company. And so... You know, I can't imagine what it was like for you guys feeling that stress on that stress level. Um, but adjusting in six days, I think, is pretty phenomenal. And I think that that's the type of thing that we're talking about when you're an entrepreneur. You can't get caught up in the feelings or, or whatever for, yep, I got to think about it for a day. I'm going to have to process it. Yeah. But then I got to move forward. Okay, it sucks yeah, today. Yeah. I'm going to cry it out today. I'm going to sit in my feelings, but tomorrow I got to use it, logic my way through this and start to be productive on testing new ways to get us out of this situation. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, I mean, you couldn't have said it better, honestly, because that's what we did. We, we looked at each other and we said, okay, well, this sucks. And we, I think we actually said to each other, all right, we're taking the day. Tomorrow, we're going to figure this out. Yeah, we built, and, built an online watering website yeah, in a we, day. You know, we, we, we pivoted so hard so fast. I think we were ahead of the curve, and I think that's why we got booked so quickly uh, to the point where we were almost overbooked. Like, we couldn't even, like, our – and then you want to talk about supply chain. Um, host, you know, now that where we are now, that's a whole nother story. But, like, we got to the point where people were like, we love it, we want you, and then – it was almost overbooked. So, it, I mean, it, it was, I'm, I'm proud of what we've done and the, you can't be, you can't have your feet like in, in the quagmire. You got to be able to like say when something happens, you know, let's fix it. Like you said, you said it really well. And I, and I love it because I mean, we've seen it at least for me in, in the two decades now I've been an entrepreneur going on three is with the financial crisis we had and now with COVID um, that the entrepreneurs that really 
are like, okay, we let's just go back to square one, back to the basics and rebuild and figure out where we have to pivot and have real honest conversations and then pivot hard. And then at that point, you have no choice but to step on the gas. Like at that point, if you're going to survive, you've got to keep moving ahead of the tidal wave. It's, it's that type of feeling. And I found it successful to get through it twice that we've gone through it. I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs and people that I mentor and am friends with that that's what they do. They pivot like you guys did and then they hit the gas like you guys did. And you have to be aggressive during hard times or you won't survive. I know it's a total anomaly and the human brain's like, nope, pause, go to safety, crawl into a corner, protect my money, scroll it away or whatever. But if you're an entrepreneur, especially in food, people need to eat. That's the time to to pivot um, with a plan and be aggressive and learn whether it works quickly or not or, and then and or pivot again or tweak it, you know, so yeah. it's very important. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad that we're talking about this because I think it's just so needed right now when everyone's sort of like, what do we do? And, and is it gone or is it back or are we masking or aren't we masking? But the reality is, is you just got to pivot and you got to be committed and the world's going to look different. And people still got to eat and we're going to fill that need and we're going to figure out whatever way we can, whether it's contactless online or, you know, what just mask, however it works, like people got to eat, like you said, but um, we're, we're not the people that like sit and go, oh, no, we saw we've seen a lot of food trucks um, close their doors because they didn't want to adapt. And but that was not like we can't like, you know, that's not our in our character and our nature. So we adapted. But we've seen a lot of restaurants and food trucks just just close down. They're like, you know, can't do it. Or or they rely on like food truck bookers and stuff. And then the bookers didn't know what to do. So then that trickled down to the trucks. And so, you know, fortunately, after about our first year, we sort of stopped using bookers for the most part and just found our own stuff. Yeah, we don't like to pay people to go places. To do our work, yeah. Yeah, we, we market ourselves well enough where we don't have to pay someone that does, like, food truck bookings for the most part. Uh, yeah, and I find it um, that as COVID has gone through that people, if you can build the personal trust and start building long-term relationships with people personally, it goes a lot farther than it ever has before, even just because it is so easy to write a text or an email or or whatever, or have an assistant do it for you, or whatever that that personal touch or that personal contact with an owner or the business itself goes so so much farther these days because everything is sort of everyone's at such distance behind masks and behind whatever that if they can talk to someone that's relatively caring about the business and today's needs that can they feel can make a decision. Um, I think it's going a lot farther than we've seen in a long time because we're sort of barriered in one way but also able to communicate through those barriers openly you know so um the narrative of customer service and service workers is being rewritten right now is what it feels like absolutely absolutely um and i think we're going to see the whole food service industry change in terms of the way we serve food in terms of what's expected um from service uh i think we're getting less customary to needing the the contact in the same way and needing it delivered in the same way. And we've seen it. I mean, I see it in our business all the time, online sales or online orders. Um, and then any, anyone we're consulting for or I'm mentoring, 
in the restaurant world, their online orders are through the roof. It's what everyone's doing. They prefer to grab it and eat at home. Um, well, so, I have a question for you. Yeah. What are your thoughts on these delivery services, Grubhub, DoorDash, um, all, all of those? What are, what are your thoughts on it? Um, if you're a growing business and you don't have the resources, I think they're a necessary stepping stone um, for your business. I think they serve a purpose. Um, but where they lack for me, if, if it were me, um, and I were trying to grow my business, I don't know what the most important thing you have is that contact to the client and you're relying on someone else to do it. So I guess it's like relying on FedEx or UPS. Um, just from my own experience, um, I feel that it's better if you can have good quality people that are delivering the food and building a relationship with it, even if it's leaving it at the door, or even if it's signing it as a note as a small business. Um, that's just me though. But do I see their purpose and how they, they, uh, help small businesses? Sure. Um, I think they take the personal touch out of it, if I were to be honest. And I get ghost kitchens and all of that stuff. And I'm not saying to not follow the opportunity, but I'm an entrepreneur. Okay, we, so we, yeah, we, we, no, we're, we're on the, we, I think you're being a little, um, delicate when you're saying what you're saying. Cause we, we absolutely, I mean, I feel bad for people that are trying to be employed right now and they use them as a, as a means to an end, um, for employment. But when it comes to it, like if there's someone between me and the customer that's handling the food, I don't want that ever, you know? So for, for us, like we've been, people have reached out to us multiple times about can you DoorDash or Grubhub or any of those other things. And, you know, I, again, like you said, I understand the need and how it's, you know, it's filling that. But like for us, it's just one of those things where we're like, we're small business and we do have that personal touch and we want to continue to have that and, you know, not worry about someone uh, eating half the fries. That's yeah. I mean, I think it's it masks your brand. I think it puts a mask over your brand. I think that's one of the hard parts about it, especially if you're trying to build something. Um, I think there's a lot of things that are in the way there. Um, I get the business model. I 100% do. It's just not my model, and it's certainly not the way I've seen successful businesses built um, from my perspective. Um, but I get it. It's a, it's a shortcut. You know, it's a shortcut yeah. that's I don't believe pays off in the long run. And if you look at Domino's and any franchise that's successful, they still do most of their own deliveries and they control that process. And in fact, they're investing more money into it, whether it's a robot or trucks that now heat the pizza or whatever, because they want to give extra personal touch. Um, right. Domino's has always been, at least for my, you know, when I look into it, like we research and we look into other companies and things. Domino's has always been customer focused and that, that personal touch, yeah. I feel like. Well, yeah, and, the here's the th- and here's the thing, like as a business person, I do a lot of fulfillment meals direct to consumers online and, and all that, both for our own companies and for other companies as co-manufacturer. But I'll tell you this, like even with FedEx, UPS and, and the postal service, like they're still just providing a service. They're not making you put FedEx all over the box. You can still put it in your box. So they're just providing the service, but you're still, as long as they do their job, how the presentation is of the box and the opening of it is 
mostly in your hand. At least it used to be a lot more than it is now because I can't believe how bad packages are getting messed up. But, you know, you still have a little bit of control there where I feel like the DoorDash and the whatever, like you're totally giving up the brand and the imaging Every, yeah, and everything. you've basically just sterilized the delivery of your food and the chance to actually interact with a client or uh, sorry, customer. And so I don't know, it feels like a shortcut to me and shortcuts have never gotten me anywhere. And I've and like I've said, people I've consulted for and we used to build and design restaurants. Um, I gosh, I've never had success with any of those things long term. And any client or customer that you get on those are loyal to the, that brand. So they jump around restaurants all the time and they look for deals and they end up costing you more money than they're worth, honestly. Yeah, it's like, it's like putting a Band-Aid on the Hoover Dam when it's about to explode. You can't, it's, you know, like it may work for a little bit, you know, but it's, yeah. So that, that's our opinion on them anyway. And I, and I hate it for people that need work and then they do that and then people don't tip. And that's a whole nother conversation that I'm not even going to have. <laughs> I feel bad for the people that are working for tips. The whole tipping structure in the United States is flawed. Yeah. We'll leave that be. But yeah, like um, I, we were very adamant about not using delivery services and um, making sure that we had that that personal interaction with our customers and that I'm handing the food to them. Larry's handing the food to them, you know, like they're getting it directly from me and I don't have any worry about like what happened in between it left me and they got it. So. Yeah. And it's interesting to me. I think fast food and drive throughs is one thing and I see fast food starting to use it and here nor there, but it's an, it, to me, it's going to be the death of the fast food restaurant because now you're playing in the, the rank with everyone else instead of holding true to what you are. And it's just, I don't know. It's, um, I'm an entrepreneur. So when everyone's jumping into one thing, I tend to like pause and be like, okay, the crowd's going that way. That's, either one saturated two something's not right or there's not enough opportunity for me to squeeze out a penny out of so i look somewhere else but in looking somewhere else i've just found that there's nothing better than a personal touch whether it's me or someone i train or someone that understands food service partners or lives by our core values i don't have any idea how they hire someone what their criteria is you know what the background check was of that person so on and so forth so you know, there's some of that as well. Yeah, well, I mean, like what you said, fast food is going to, like, the dine-in fast food is going to die because yeah. of this. Like, yeah. The drive-through stuff is going to happen. But, um, uh, like, like, you keep going back to, we pride ourselves so much on the experience. Um, we're, like, we're smaller. We have a smaller footprint than a lot of these other big trucks. So we make up for that with our personality, our branding. We all wear ears. We all have spirit animals. Kids come up to the truck sometimes, and if they're super excited about it, we give them animal ears. We give them coloring books. Adults and, too get cut, get ears. Yeah, they buy, they buy a t-shirt, they get ears. Yeah, and and then and then if you wear them back to our food truck the next time you see us out, we give you a fifteen percent discount on your food. So it's creating that 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 experience, not just getting food. We're creating experience. Well, and I think that's part of it, and if we really look at food and what, and what fast food was like when someone went into a McDonald's, it was more than just getting the happy meals, the experience of the Ronald McDonald there and the playground and whatever. And so 
when you take away people's ability to touch something like they lose you know they lose i don't even the emotional tie to it like i had emotional tie to chicken mcnugget because i saw the little chicken mcnuggets running around all the time as a kid right when i go into the place but you don't get that anymore and yeah. so and it's it's very essential and here's the other thing that i love what you guys are doing like we necessarily haven't done it in the right way or or in a in whatever kind of way but in the United States. Um, but what we found is that if you can build a child's loyalty to a brand early on, that's a long lifetime customer for you. And whether we've done it through cartoons or, or whatever, or, and promoted necessarily whatever, we haven't regulated how we promote it, but they've literally become just out of coincidence. Everyone knows who the lucky charms guy is. I know who Tony the tiger is. Like I could probably name all of them. Um, and if you ask Skylar, they're all on the wall in the form of the pops um, for food icons in the studio because I'm I'm reminded of how impactful food can be and branding food can be to generations. And so that's what you guys are doing. I mean, you're literally impacting children and building a brand from there. And I think in doing it the right way, you're making it part of the adventure and part of the experience and part of the fun and the happiness because that's what fast food used to sell like it was the happiness it's called a happy meal for a reason and um probably the happiest meal on the planet because somehow everyone believes it'll make you happy even as a kid and so it's that type of thing that you guys are doing that i think is monumental and i think it's something that we're losing um in food uh, particularly in the united states in that we're not giving it that personal touch of making food fun and making it enjoyable and memorable yeah, food's more than just the taste in your mouth. I mean, it's it, that's kind of weird. Yeah. But food is definitely more than just calorie intake. Food it should be an experience. It should be visual. It should, there's, I mean, I'm I I love food. I've always loved food, and this is kind of like Larry said, why we got into this. I love to explore with food and make new things and. Another thing we'll do is like we have a whole lot of regulars and then we'll try a new menu item out. We're like, we'll find those people and we're like, hey, you want to try something new? And we do that and we bring it to them and they're just super excited about it because they know we know who they are. And then they get to give us the feedback on something that's a new possible new menu item. I mean, that's that it, it doesn't get more personal than that for the most part. Well, and then favorite. they have huge buy-in and then they talk about it with their friends. Hey, I tried this new thing. Like, it's a big deal. Like, and that's something you can't get um, in the way things are going and, and sort of uh, in the way we're doing things and sort of ma masking what it is. Everything's being Ubered and a mass um, solution to everything, but it takes away the personal touch and almost the entrepreneurship of the learning experience. Like, you want to make your business better, go interact with your clients or deal with them when the order is cold instead of having, you know, a DoorDash deal with it, because you will learn a lot from dealing with customers and client management and ultimately how to manage employees as your business grow. Or if you ever want to be multiple food trucks, for example, you're going to have to learn how to navigate those waters so you can train other people to navigate them because they'll never do it as well as you as an entrepreneur or an owner, because they'll never care as much. It's just the way it is. But, Absolutely. I look at but, business 100% differently than I did when I like when I was, you know, waiting tables at 22 years old or whatever. 
um, bartending. You know, once once you're a business owner, you see things through a different color lens, and you you see what the brand you're selling, you see what you're trying to represent, and it's it's definitely. And I don't care anybody can say, oh, I love my job, and I know until you're an actual business owner, you really don't see exactly how you can impact people and want to just do better every day. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story about customer loyalty too. Um, this came about um, this married couple, Nate and Rebecca, regulars out at Nofo Brewery that we go to quite a bit. They, they were at another brewery one night and Rebecca loves when we do our chicken parm subs. Okay, we don't do them all the time, but when we do them, she's very excited, chicken parmesan sub. And so they were at a different brewery and she saw on um, Instagram, we posted that we had our fried raviolis that night and we serve our fried raviolis with marinara sauce. So she like turned to her husband. She's like, they have the fried raviolis. That means they have the marinara. That means they can make me the chicken parm. Get a check. We're leaving. And they, they left where they were. They, they she wrangled her whole crew. Uh -huh, she took that. She had that roadmap to, to chicken parm in her head when she saw we had marinara. And they came out and she got her chicken parm sub and she was a happy camper. Even though it wasn't on the menu, it was like, yeah, we got it on the truck. We'll make it for you, of course. What's funny is they're glampers. Yeah. So um, we, we thought that was funny. That's that, amazing. Like, I love that. Yeah. It was like Pavlov's dog ring the bell, sort of. And yeah. that's exactly yeah. what happens when people like something. You know, you can trigger those type of things by reminding them, which is a good segue to, I mean, how, tell me about your guys' marketing and your advertising, if, if you're open to it. Um, do you sure. guys handle that all yourself? Um, we, we do. You know I'm going to just stop you right here for a second, and I'm going <laughs> to let you take the floor. Okay. Larry is a marketer genius and this is he is he he just he takes it and he runs with it and he's amazing so oh, tell them what you do. Oh, yeah. I figured so, since uh, we had the conversation of owning your stuff and, and getting to own it and with the marketing background that you probably weren't going to turn it over to anyone else either. So Yeah, for sure. And I, I um I have a photography degree as well. So um so like all of our food pictures and stuff, I take all of our food pictures and you know we I feel like it's important for a continuity when you're when you're you know showing your images like if you look at our website and you go to like the gallery you know that the same person took all those pictures basically you know it's like I, I try to style the food the same way the the font that describes what it is is always the same um you know we want people to, to recognize that you know outline font and go oh little bites okay yeah i know those guys you know and um you know but the the food and we, we, you know, we post quite a bit on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and stuff. And, um, you know, that's basically managed to, um, to keep, you know, to keep us going. People, you know, seem there and we, our menu is, our, is our menu is very interactive. You can order online and we have a lot of, you know, sign up for VIP and all that. And, um, if you write a review, you can enter to win $500 gift certificate or $500, $500 basically. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we just started a, a punch card program for our empanadas. Um, it's the, the Panda passport. So if you buy, um, uh, 10 empanadas, That's awesome. you buy 10 empanadas, you get, um, we do, we do these, um, Ken, you know, Kenny's key lime pie. It's a big, big key lime pie company here in Smyrna. Um, we do uh, key lime pie bites. So we basically deep fry key lime pie in um, funnel cake batter, and they're they're just amazing. We used to do fried Oreos, but a couple other trucks were doing fried Oreos, so we felt like we had to up our our dessert game. 
And um, so we do these these amazing key lime pie bites. Guineas, which is local. Yes, which I said. And um, so, yeah, so if you buy 10 empanadas, you get free key lime pie bites. And our theory is once you've eaten them once for free, you're definitely going to buy them again. So we, we know you like the empanadas. You've already bought 10 of them. So I'm not going to give you an extra empanada. That seems, you know. Those are, they are delicious. Yeah. I have had them. As I've spent more time in Georgia over the last seven years, um, I, I'm starting to discover all the little towns have all their little specialties here and there throughout Georgia. If anyone's ever driving through Georgia, you could literally trip over the towns here and there. But every town has its own like amazing thing um, here and there. So, I mean, even yeah, Georgia yeah, fruitcake, which doesn't sound very good, but you stop in one of the stores and they're one of the most amazing bakeries of other items and stuff you've ever had. So, um, it's just yeah, cool I, stuff. I know. I don't know if Larry knows. Yeah, He's from Philly. I'm, yeah. I, I'm born and raised Georgia peach. So I do know. Yeah. yeah. We reached out to Kenny's Emily reached out to Kenny's and we just buy an 18 pound gal, 18 pound jug of filling and, uh, and make them They're They're amazing. It's a, Oh, that sounds and I delicious. I will not share my secret. Yeah. I will not share my secret. They even said, uh, Kenny's, when we went to pick it up the first time, they're like, we've only heard of one other person being able to figure out how to deep fry these. And it was in Texas. And I said, all right, cool. So now when pe- normally when people ask me about like my recipes and stuff, I'm willing to give them tips and how I do things. But those, nope, that's a proprietary <laughs> secret. So what are your favorite things from the food truck? Like if you could pick one thing that you guys make that is each one of your favorites, what would it be? And is there something that's you make that's your favorite? And is there something that the other person makes that's your favorite that you don't make on your own? I guess would be a good question. So sometimes uh, I ask, what is my favorite to the back of house? Because we maybe have one more, more items of one than the other, but that's, <laughs> don't tell people that. You can, you can edit that. Um, but, uh, I mean, the Phillies really are very good because it is it is actual ribeye. We don't buy steakums. We don't buy... Steak on a piece of paper. Yeah, it's it's hand-trimmed, hand-cut actual ribeye. So, and on an Amarosa roll. So, those are great. Um, what is my favorite? Oh, my goodness. Uh, the pork empanadas are amazing. Yeah. Pulled pork empanadas with a spicy barbecue dipping sauce and a side of pickles really good um yeah you really i mean the phillies are, are tremendous the yeah the, we do the uh homemade baked cheese in the winter is it gourmet like, style baked cheese yeah is... with like a garlic bread dipping in marinara that's that's pretty decadent and amazing wow mm-hmm. um, no one does anything like that around here yeah and i mean really all the empan- like the empanadas it's funny because we always ask people like if they get the flight or if they just mix and match like what was your favorite and it really is like of 100 people it would be like 33 33 33 it's just there's no, there's no like stand, like they're all equally popular, which, which makes us happy because, you know, it seems like we're, we're on the right track with the empanadas, which is, which is good. It also frustrates people when we show up and we don't have their favorite. Yeah. And I, and I love it. And I think that, um, that what you guys are doing is just so amazing. And I think the empanadas, and then I love cheesesteaks. I'm, I know I went to college in Pennsylvania and my family's from Pennsylvania. Um, okay. And so, and I was actually just, if anyone follows me on Instagram at Justin Bizarro, you can see that Deborah and I were just spent a weekend in Philadelphia and we definitely stopped at uh, Gino's and Pat's amongst other places to try all the different cheesesteaks since we eat our way through everywhere. We are in the food business. So that's how we do our tourism. We usually just eat our way through cities. And, um, 
But which brings me to to the next thing. I mean, you sort you've had this and you you figured out, and now you, you you've made your way through COVID and and what are the mm-hmm. next steps? And so and, and where are you going? <laughs> where are you going? And and what are you know what are your goals and and what are your hopes for the future? I mean, three and a half years in, it's been probably quite a bumpy ride, and you've pivoted nicely. And but the hardship was obviously there, and you it would be foolish to think there are not more hardships coming so i mean how do you sort of see all this we have plans yeah we um we we've recently decided that we're we're going to look into brick and mortar um for the for the company focusing on empanadas since they've become so popular and handheld and yeah we're gonna change the brand and and kind of kind of start over a little bit but um with uh, with a new name and, and everything that'll be you know if if people follow us they, they can start to guess what the new name will be um, just from our our current posts and stuff like that we're we're starting to sort of plant seeds for for the for the transition you're the first one hearing this outside of family by the way yeah congratulations um, well and I think it's one hundred percent what you should be doing and and one of the things I love about this is if you look at um, Shake Shack is the gentleman, the chef who started and the gentleman who started, he was very into like starting one here and one there and he didn't want a franchise and he didn't want a bunch of restaurants. But what he learned over time was how to better his restaurants and he would take things that were successful out of one restaurant to start another restaurant. And he had the burgers and he had this idea of starting this restaurant just doing burgers because they were so popular in his restaurant out of a shack at central or that's not central park i think it's bryant park but i can't remember i haven't been lived in new york city in like eight years nine years but um but wherever it is it's the same idea which you just did which is very important you took something that's very successful and you're like this can stand alone and we can build a concept around it it can still be popular on the truck but i'm seeing that this is successful on its own and i can build a brand and maybe it turns into something bigger like a franchise because well, there is no empanada franchise like that just serves them in the drive through or quick service or however you guys would do it or restaurant style. Um, what what did teachers say? Don't don't study ahead or don't don't work ahead. Yeah, that's what you're doing right now. Yeah. I always but, work yeah, ahead. That, we, yeah. We're all thinking that. I mean, yeah, I'm a little bit are. I'm a little bit older than Emily, and you know, I want to be I want to be retired on a beach in ten years, yeah. and I I sort of see a a, a path to get there with. With we both the, do, yeah. Yeah, we, with the new the new thing. Again, it was a clip. It was like yeah, when so the, a, the night that we had the, we did the Facebook thing. It was something like he said, "I see you doing something with food because you love to make people happy with your food." And then from that moment on, it, something clicked, and we yeah. put things into motion. And so yeah, the other was, night we were sitting. Yeah, it was in, kind of the night where we did like six different empanadas on the truck, and people yeah. were just clamoring over them. And we looked at each other because we've been talking again about how do we how do we grow the brand or how do we expand or how do we, you know, go into like, we had an idea to make a brewery called the raccoonery, um, which we own the, the, I, the, the URL. For, by the way. <laughs> uh, and then like, when we talk, like, it's like empanadas is something that's scalable. It's something that we can do and it's easy and you can have like a footprint of like, um, like Jimmy a, like a, a Jimmy John's or a Chipotle or something like that. And, College kids will love that. They get a, you know, empanada to go to class, handheld. 
Tell me I'm wrong. You want to invest? How much? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're 100% right. Skylar's drooling. He's like, oh, we don't have that type of stuff on my campus. Yeah, no, I that i'd be there probably every day right and that's that's our theory is like we're going to definitely look into being as close to a campus a campus as we can be if not on a campus and you know to have like eight to ten different empanadas you know rotating with different sauces that people can pick from and you know, maybe do like flatbreads or something if people don't want fried items just to offer that you know but it's still the same sort of stuff as the empanadas already are so um, you know, it would keep in that and then some sides. So keeping it, you know, the menu will be pretty simple, but the theme and the fun, you know, everyone will be wearing ears, you know, the trash cans will have raccoons on them and stuff. Yeah, little you know. little little thing like like little raccoons like poking out of the trash can. Not actual. Yeah, not actual know, like stickers of raccoons. Yeah, yeah. I wish it was actual. But raccoons. keeping the vibe the little bites vibe going with the new the new brand, we're we're pretty so excited about that. Well, and I love it, and I and I think the potential there is everyone's rushed rushed into burgers and everything else under the sun. Um, where this is where no one's looking, and where there's a chance to grow and opportunity. And um, you guys are so far ahead that anyone who even tries to even catch up to you guys at this point's not going to be able to, in my opinion, because I feel that you you've learned so much in such a short period of time, and you pivoted so well that. Um, that you guys are onto something big for sure. Um, and I love empanadas and I think it's a great idea. You can literally anything handheld in this world right now that people can take on the go based on not wanting to sit in restaurants. I mean, I still do, but I can tell you that majority of the people around don't like sitting as much anymore. Um, they like the food to go or on the go. So you can picture it, can't you? You can picture yourself walking into this little spot and then having a choice of these empanadas You can get two, three, four, Five, if you want to go crazy and get six, which we've had people do, and then you have your choice of dipping sauce, and then you know, and then you can just walk. It's not you can't eat nachos on the go. And one of the things that um that I love about what you're talking about is um I hope they're still around, but in the Netherlands um there's a restaurant chain um I've spent a lot of time there um called walk to walk and it's literally they basically have figured out how to make chinese food on the go where you can literally walk with it um and it's easy to eat whether it's handheld stuff or easy to get food that's more easier for uh, easier for chopsticks or a fork um in a smart pool but they've literally made it so you can walk with it which is what we're talking about here and it's what you know what i think is essential and what we're talking about also is people are eating more often they're just eating less and to sit down for a long lunch or a long dinner or whatever is less likely, especially in urban environments. Um, and when you're talking about with kids and, and parents, people are grazing. They want a lot more smaller items to everyone to share. So empanadas is also, if people are going to eat a meal, everyone can order something or a few and everyone can share something different. So yep. I think that's the yeah. world we're looking at um, very much. In, in you have to look at the overhead costs too. Like, for people to stay at, like, if another pandemic or another variation comes, like, big, big, big corporations can make it through, like, like even you look at Kroger, and they're not raising their prices on a lot of things because they're trying to write it out because they either have contracts or they've got enough in the bank to be able to not pass it on to the consumer as much they're not breaking it off in them as much but like small businesses and things they don't have that luxury so there's going to be a lot of these restaurants that are like mid-size 
or like even like slightly finer dining. Like, I mean, I'm going to say like Fogo de Chao, but they're, I mean, they're a big brand, but like, as an example, people like that, like they're not going to be able to sustain making it through this if things keep going the way they are. Well, and the thing is, is in the the other thing is we have to look at labor and what's going on and sort of workforces and whether or not the food service workforce is ever going to come back um, in some areas that we've seen that sort of have been decimated um, with the employees yes. and what that looks like in terms of your business models. And, and so I think that the simpler you can keep things, which, which you guys are looking at, you're looking at one product line, mm-hmm. you're looking at making the adventure part of it and getting back to the basics of a successful line. And it's important, um, in today's world. And I like, and I like that. I think there's a lot of versatility and things that you can put inside empanadas. And you talked about the desserts. Um, so it's basically you're, you're creating one vehicle, but the diversity within that vehicle is endless in my opinion, in terms of savory and sweet and whatever other, um, spicy etc that you can come up with so yeah um, one of the one of the big things in in the restaurant industry and people that are wanting to get into into entrepreneurship in the restaurant industry in food service of any kind is that being able to take a product and use it in different ways so taking the chicken breast or a pork you know like being able to like bacon is something that we use in so many different ways on the truck you know like if you can limit your SKUs and use them in different ways and maybe like you, you can make so many different things out of like having a, you know, that's, it saves a lot of money and time, honestly. Yeah. I mean, even like with our, our bread that we use for the cheesesteaks and stuff, we, we buy a size bigger than we need and cut them down and use the, the nubbins for, for garlic bread. And, um, and things like that. So, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's exactly what you're talking about is how can you limit the number of ingredients, but make it, uh, have it create as many items as possible, um, with ease. I mean, you don't want to complicate your life, but within your processes and procedures and equipment that, that work within your truck or your footprint, if you're a restaurant. Um, so as we start to finish up, I mean, what are the things that you guys feel that, you know, you've learned the most um, as entrepreneurs, uh, either as an overall concept, it can be food, outside of food, accounting, whatever it is. And what are sort of the things that um, that you feel that you wish you knew when you got into it that you know now? That was a whole lot in one yeah. question. So, okay, yeah. first thing with getting an accountant. <laughs> yeah, we learned we learned that right away. Do yeah. not yeah. do not try to do your own books. Get an accountant uh, in the into the black accounting whatever. In the black. In the black, they're they're yeah. great. That she helps us out. She tells us when we need a raise because we're gonna hit a different tax bracket. Um. Yeah, don't yeah, do don't, that. don't waste your time. You, you have better things to do than worry about your your books. Basically, is the way I look at it. And I don't know what I'm doing in taxes. I'm gonna let somebody do that. Yeah. Um. In 100% do your research, do all your due diligence. Don't, okay, just because you were at Thanksgiving and someone liked your potato salad and you've had 27 people tell you you have the best potato salad in the world, don't go open a potato salad truck with your 401k. <laughs> you know, you know, research, 
see what the market's doing because there's so many like you have to get licensed in every county you have to be inspected in every county you have to pay taxes in every county certain times you have to pay the city depending on where it is you have to do fire inspections and things like that you know so don't don't throw good money behind bad so do your research first before you really jump into this and um I would say another thing, if, if you really want to go into food trucking, reach out to food trucks in your area. And, and it's we're a pretty tight knit community, most of us. And a lot of us, us, uh, we've done it before. We'll let people come work on the truck to get a feel for what it's like. So be willing to reach out and say, hey, um, I want to do this. Do you mind if I come work, you know, even for free? I mean, we always pay people when they do it, but like. Can I work on your truck to kind of get an idea how this goes? And that's eye-opening for them, <laughs> it seems. And I know it's like uh, when I uh, when Skylar or college students come in and I put them in the freezer first. I'm like, yeah, you guys got to work in the freezer for 90 days to see if we're going to make it out of that. Because yeah. you got to understand where where everyone's coming from before you can think you can manage people. you got to understand what they go through in the facilities. So. I totally um, see the merit in that. And I also do with other entrepreneurs or people that want to come in or do R&D or think they want to get into the food business um, in co-packing is come spend a day here and actually do R&D with us and see what it takes just to go through an R&D process um, and commercialize a product because it's not as easy as everyone thinks. And once you get out of cobbler status and into co-packing, the regulatory compliance and stuff, as you mentioned, um, FDA, it's enormous. USDA. Yeah, yeah it's we're gonna enormous. we're gonna reach back out to you. Um, yeah, because we at some point. Uh, yeah, awesome. <laughs> speaking of speaking of co-packing. Yeah, because yeah, if we expand, if we if the new thing works and we can expand it or franchise it, we're gonna definitely want to go that route so it's consistent everywhere. Yeah, absolutely, and we do a lot of that, and and I recommend it. Um, yeah. If you can find someone who can consistently reproduce your product for your restaurant, we do do it for soups and and other products that I won't get too far into detail, but a lot of meats and things that you're talking about sandwiches and stuff like that, because it does become more efficient, um, to yeah, centrally do it and distribute it. But as long as they, it's an empanada, like it's, it's, yeah. it's, we're not talking about making like a beef Wellington here. It's something that you can, you can give a recipe and you can make it and it's a filling and you, you fill mm-hmm. the empanada. Yep, absolutely. Three and a half minutes. I know you're. Probably, I'm hoping you're going to edit this because don't yeah. keep all our. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, like we definitely, yeah, we've definitely got big plans. Um, Larry just got me a necklace. <laughs> he somehow found an empanada necklace, so I have an empanada around my neck. <laughs> but yeah, and I and you know I don't think what I think you guys have is is and I want to be sure because I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't see this is one, you have your relationship. That's probably the basis of your business Two, You guys realize you're part of the brand right now and whatever legacy happens, whether it's franchising or whether it's whatever, it's the legacy of you guys that's left out. Everybody already knows Colonel Sanders and whether or not people know the McDonald brothers or great. The guy's name just skipped my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Croc, yeah, we know we know the characters he created, and so it's the yeah. same idea. Um, it just depends on how you build the legacy, but it's still 
an influence of who you are. Um, and, and, you know, whether it's a character you create or it's you yourself, the brand, um, that's all within you. And, and I go both routes. I have my personal brands like the podcast and food service partners build its own brands and we've started building our own food brands, but I also manage other people's food brands or production or, or co-packing. So I've seen it all, but I think one of the important things is, is that it's better, even when I manage it, that the people that are out there doing it or, or doing their own social media or putting their own personality into their brands as they're growing it, no matter how big they get, as long as they're involved, because that is the legacy of the brand, no matter whether it's sold or not. Those are really the things that continue on um, after you, the core values you put in place, the, the leadership that you inst- uh, uh, provide, the community, the the jobs you create, so on and so forth. Um, I think that's pretty huge. And so um, thank you guys. I think it's awesome what you guys are doing. I think your goals um, are good, especially during these times where we really need to be fighting for food service. So I appreciate it. And I appreciate you guys taking the time to be on the podcast too. And I love um, what you guys are yeah. doing. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate it. Take, um, take a moment. If you, if, I don't know if you like baseball or not. But look into the Savannah Bananas and their business model concept. And that's, you know, we kind of have the same mentality. I don't know if you've ever. Yeah. Are they the yeah. banana slugs? No. They, different. No, d- different. They're, They're yeah, different. But it's, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, Savannah, it's the Savannah Bananas. They don't throw out a, a first pitch. They throw out a, an actual banana. Okay. And I like that. Yes. Yeah, um, you like, <laughs> okay. But yeah, um, no, we love what we're doing. I woke up the other day and I told, or no, it was this morning. Cause like the Monday after a holiday, I used to dread going back to work. I used to be an insurance underwriter and I used that morning when the alarm went off and I had to get up, put on my, get my computer going. I don't, I don't dread any of that anymore. I have fun. I, I love what we do and I love the vision that we have for the future and I'm super excited and cause I can see it. Right, Larry? Yeah, we same. can see it. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I, and, thank you for having us on. Well, thank you. And I'm definitely going to have Skylar reach out to you guys and I, we're going to record a part two because I want to understand how you guys break out your weeks and, and, and how you guys manage, you know, tasks amongst each other. So if you're up for it, I'd love to do an, a part two at some point if we can get one scheduled and, and sort of yep. dive deeper in um, and talk more about sort of um, the inner workings of how you manage it and how you train everyone. And it doesn't need to be in any major details, but just anything you guys would want to share. I'd love to have you guys back on. Yeah, I have 11 year old or we, te- well, he came out of me, but like he's stepdad. But so I have 11 year old too, that is in sports that we got to juggle too. So that's, we'd be happy fun. to come back. And do but yes, we'd, be, we'd definitely be happy to come back. Uh, awesome. And, and thank you guys. Um, do you guys want to give everyone your social media information, where they can find you online, uh, what your sure. hours of operation are, et cetera? Yeah, it's uh, www.lilbytesfoodtruck.com. It's L-I-L, bytesfoodtruck.com. That's our website. You can see our calendar there, where we'll be. Uh, if you're looking to book us, you can kind of start there to see if we're available the day you're looking for. Um, and then we're on, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and that's all, they're all at little bites. And, um, when I see all the shenanigans and animal pictures and fun that's going on on the, uh, on the truck. 
And I just wanted to confirm that that's at Little Bites Food Truck or at Little Bites Truck. It's at Little Bites Truck. At Little Bites Truck. Perfect. And that's yeah. L-I-L-B-I-T-E-S uh, Truck, correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome. So everyone, please check them out. And, and thank you guys. Seriously, you guys, that was awesome. Larry and Emily and... I wish you guys luck, and I look forward to having you guys on for a part two, and that'll give you guys time to think about questions or think you guys want to want to ask as well. So I think the audience always looks forward to those part two because um, the interviewees always, always come back. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be like, wait, 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 wait a minute. Yeah. What about this? Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> that's where you can say, I can't believe you allowed that to go on the air. I wanted you to cut that, and then we can talk about that as well. So. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're always game for for doing podcasts and you know letting yeah. people know just how excited we are about the business that we're running and the putting our love into the food to the people. Yeah, and right now I in just in terms of enthusiasm, and I keep saying this is we people don't realize that competition in the food is good right now. We need more young minds or entrepreneurs or people wanting a change of pace to get into food that bring new looks to it and. We're just at that stage, and it's not competition. It's not bad for anyone. It's just we need to bring it back home and, and, and localize with new ideas and, and entrepreneurs who create jobs and things like that. And, again, yeah. the best way I know how to do that is got to personalize your business. And you guys have done such an amazing job of making it who you are and your personalities. I mean, it really ranged true. So we got to send you a picture of our uh, tattoos. Yeah. Then you'll really be like, holy shit, seriously? Y'all are that into this? Okay, all right. But, <laughs> I was not um, expecting that. I was not expecting that, but I definitely... Emily has, a, Emily has a tattoo of a panda in a chef's hat holding a knife by the wrong hand on her arm. And a raccoon eating blueberries. <laughs> and you have a... Well, we both yeah, have... And, and I have a panda eating empanadas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah. Sorry, you get like I get all worked up when we talk about because I love yeah. it so much. I love what we do. So, but yes, yeah, so have us back for a second part, and I'll think about it, and I'll. Uh, look know. forward to talking to you guys again. Yeah, yeah, and they always say if someone's willing to get a tattoo of your brand, it's it's becoming more than a brand; it's becoming a lifestyle. So, I would say that exactly. that's where you guys are. So, yeah. So my forearm can't go back to corporate <laughs> training anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. I love it. So, all right. Cool. Thank you guys again. Thank you guys. And anyone, please share what we're doing on the podcast. If you like the episode, share it with someone. We're trying to add value and give value to life. That's all we ask. Um, we do this for free. The entrepreneurs come up with you to share their story and, and spread the word about their business. But you know, all their voice can only get out there as long as you guys keep sharing it and promoting it and and telling people to listen in. So thank you guys and everyone have a great day. Bye.